what a week, which sums up 2020. My hope is that you'll be joining me in prayer for our country, for our community, for whoever becomes president. That you'll also be reminded on a regular basis, I will continue to scream and preach and encourage that this is not our home. That we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven first, and we are part of the United States of America second. So wherever you land politically, it doesn't matter as much as where you land spiritually. And my hope is that by the end of our time together, whether you're watching online or you're at Otis or you're here at Barker, that you will walk out of here emboldened, encouraged, and strengthened, and maybe for some of you, to engage with Jesus for the first time. Now, speaking of which, if you're online right now, I just want to say thanks again, you know, for being here. In fact, take a second to let us know where you're from. Put it in the chat. Uh, Go ahead and click share, you know, as well. We always love, you know, kind of seeing that through all the different feeds and the different various methods, you know, wherever that may, wherever you may be watching or uh, however may be watching right now. Also, if you're watching at Otis, man, so many excited things are happening at Otis. In fact, a little bit later, you're going to see four baptisms that took place at Otis alone last week. Can we just praise God for that? Amazing. Okay, we're in this series called Armor of God, and so far we have looked at the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, which John Moten gave to us. Now, that weekend was very significant, unbeknownst to many of you. Did you know that for the first time in Valley Real Life's history, we had an African-American preach from our stage? And that is encouraging, and it's also embarrassing at the same time. It's something we need to reflect more of the kingdom of God, of what it's going to look like when we're all eternity. And so you're going to see more and more of that as we continue to go year after year after year. But I was so excited that he was able to be here. Then last week, Eric, man, wow, walked us through this idea of the shield of faith. Talk about being courageous and being humbled in the midst of it all. Can we just give it up for Eric, you know, for what he gave to us last week? So this week, we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. And what I want to do is something maybe just a little bit different. I'm going to teach for the first part, and then I'm going to preach at the end. I want to educate, you know, a little bit, just to give some background and understanding, and then I hope to get us all encouraged and fired up at the end. But let's start with this. Speaking of the helmet of salvation, there are two primary purposes of a helmet. Can you name one of them? protection, right? For our head, for our mind. So in uh, Roman culture, they would have these helmets, you know, that you can see and you can see how it was a protection, not only of the head, but down to the face and also in the neck as well. Now we have similar things that want to protect our heads. We have different kinds of helmets that do the same thing, like on construction sites. You know, you would see people wearing protective helmets, or you, you encourage kids uh, to wear helmets when they're riding their bikes on a regular basis, or adults when it comes to motorcycles, right? You're hoping that they're, they're putting on that helmet. But probably my favorite helmet for protection right now is this one. Hi. Yeah. Right. It's indestructible. 
I mean, there's like, you know, lightsabers, you know, crushing across its face, and there's blasters, and he's getting hit, and there's not, there's not even a scratch. You know, every single time, you know, you see, you know, one of these things, the Mandalorian helmet. Now, the second purpose of a helmet is what? It's a little, a little bit more challenging. It's an identification marker. It identifies whose team that you're on. For example, you would know in Jesus' day from a great distance based on the helmet that oh, there's a Roman soldier that's coming this way. And when you align yourself or you see these helmets, it can actually bring encouragement or it can kind of bring despair, but at least there's an alignment based on a team. Now, we don't have a lot of that in a culture except for in one major important sport. And when it comes to sports, especially something called football, when you see certain helmets, it actually brings encouragement and joy and excitement, or it's not so encouraging and you're actually really irritated. So based on applause or boos, I want to show you some helmets, okay? So this would be the first one. No, what? Uh, uh, there's, okay, we got, we got one person. Excited, you know, about this helmet, yeah. Kenneth Malgren. <laughs> All right, so one person again on the. If you're online, put it in the chat. What, what what's your favorite here? Okay, here's my my second one. Oh, there's a, a couple more. Oh, you got to be louder than that, Chris. You got to be a little bit louder than that. Where's where's Brad? You know, nothing, nothing. Okay. All right, America's not so much team. All right, there we go. Wow. Wow, there's some venge- vengeance that's going on there. Sparleys, I'm sorry. You know, just, just swing it there. All right. Yeah! Oh, yeah. Helmets. Yeah. Isn't it fun how helmets can bring encouragement and alignment, you know, and unity when it talks about the different helmets that we can actually wear or we can align ourselves with? So if the primary purpose of a helmet is to protection, but also for an identification. What does that mean when we're, t- we're asked to put on the helmet of salvation? See, in Ephesians six seventeen it says, put on salvation as your helmet. So what does that look like? Let, let me just teach you just for just a few moments. See, the word salvation biblically means the deliverance by God, don't miss this, from the consequences and power of sin in our lives. That's what salvation means. It's the deliverance by God from the consequences and power of sin in our lives. For example, Ephesians chapter 2 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Here's what I would say. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we are saved from something, we are saved by something, and we are saved for something. Okay, so we are saved from something. That from is the consequences of sin and death. So Romans chapter three says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. So that's what we're saved from. Now we're saved by, how do we get saved? By our faith in Jesus Christ. In Romans 3, 25, the very next verse, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood, which is why we celebrate communion every single week. Jesus is good, isn't he? 
right? He's good. Romans 10, 9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, my part is to repent and surrender myself to Jesus as Savior and, as, and Lord. Specifically, Jesus, the word Jesus literally means salvation. So when you receive Jesus, you are putting on Jesus when you're putting on that helmet of salvation. So that is what we are saved from, what we are saved by, and we are saved for a purpose in relationship with God and others forever. Forever. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us to do long ago. Your life matters to God, and it matters to other people. The only thing you can take with you when you die is other people. How important is that? Think about this in this term. Think about car restoration, right? If you've got a beat up used, you know, vehicle that's not even running and you look at that and you're like, it gets restored. It gets reclaimed. It's made for more than the purpose in which it's found. Like this, here's the Chevelle, you know, there's just garbage, you know, in one site, but over time, it can actually become something that was greater than even maybe what it was at the beginning. And see, it's more than just God cleaning our slates or offering forgiveness or giving us a second chance. When we come to salvation in Christ, we are better than we have ever been before now and forever. Now, let me be clear. Salvation, especially in our Bibles, is actually spoken of in three different tenses in the Bible. And sometimes we get confused with this, and that's why I want to educate just a little bit. See, there's a past tense, there's a present tense, and there's a future tense. In the past tense, this is what salvation means. It's usually a decision or moment in time. Titus would say it this way, Titus Titus 3, 5, Jesus saved us, notice the past tense, not because of righteous things that we have done. Uh, Do you remember that moment or that time for some of you when you finally surrendered yourself to Jesus? It was a moment in time, and for many of you who've accepted Christ, it's not a now moment, it was something that happened in the past. For me, I was a sixth grader, and I was at a Christian camp, Warren Beach Christian camp, and I'll never forget when the pastor said, hey, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now is your time. And I received him as my Lord and Savior. And then he said, I want you to make that public. Who would like to stand and receive Jesus? And I stood immediately to my feet. I'll never forget it. But that was something that happened in my past. Jesus saved me. The present tense, when you read the word salvation in our Bibles, is the language of salvation that's ongoing. Like 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. You might read in another passage to work out your salvation. Now, it doesn't mean works save us. From what God has already done for us, our part is to try to conform into his image. A fancy Bible term for that would be sanctification. Becoming more and more like Jesus Christ because of his saving power, we are conforming into his image on this side of eternity, which leads us to the future tense that we read in our Bibles. And that is something to come. Salvation to come. It's a, it's a consummation. That's probably the most commonly used one in our New Testament. It's when salvation is referred to as a future orientation. It's when we die or if Jesus were to come before that. Romans 13 verse 11 says, wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Or 1 Peter 1 5, and through your faith, 
God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So hopefully you have a clear understanding of God's deliverance. Salvation means deliverance over the power of sin in our lives for now and for all eternity. And there's a saving point in our lives that we hope that some of you even will receive on this day. And then there is a process of us now that we've received the salvation, that we're trying to work this out, conforming to this image. And then there's a future hope of what that salvation means as it fully becomes realized. That's what this means when we talk about putting on the helmet of salvation. So here's my first question before I go into a little more preaching mode. Have you received salvation? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know what he did for you on the cross, proven by the resurrection that gives you life abundantly and life eternally? If not, why not now? Why not consider this in the next few moments and if you're watching online or you're watching at Otis, we're going to give you a chance at the end, but put it in the chat if you're watching online, even at this moment, that you might be interested in this. Okay, I say all this as a background to say this point. The helmet of salvation gives us confidence and hope to face today's battles. The helmet of salvation is what gives us confidence and especially hope in today's battles. Now, we understand hope is used in our culture almost like a, a wishful thinking. I, I hope I get that job. I, I hope I do well on my test at school. I, I hope I get what I want for Christmas. I hope the Seahawks win the Super Bowl. I don't hope. I know. I know. That's more certainty, so I shouldn't use that as an example. See, hope is something in our culture that we just kind of wish for. We're trying to be positive thinking, and yet that's not what the Bible says. In fact, for many people today, hope can be very challenging, very challenging, very hard. If I get my hopes up, you might have heard that, then what happens? So I choose to be a person because I've been hurt by pain of the past, pain of relationship, you know, pain of job, pain of promise of a financial future. And every time I got my hopes up, my hope got dashed by a circumstance or an experience or even a relationship. And so hope can be very hard for people in our culture, but consider the alternative. If you don't have hope, what do you have? Or what do you become? Hopeless. See, when people are hopeless, they quit. When people are hopeless, they shrink back, right? We know this all too well in our lives. When we feel hopeless about a situation, we throw up our hands and we're like, I'm done. Ever had a hopeless job before? <laughs> where you're like, you know what? I really don't want to have any more motivation to work hard. I don't feel like there's any future here. The hope for the future in that is gone. I feel hopeless or been in a relationship where you feel like it's a dead end. It doesn't feel like it's going anywhere and you start feeling hopeless. See, that's the only result that you have if you don't have hope. See, it's easy to throw in the towel. It's easy to give up, especially when you're in a battle, especially when things are hard and challenging. But here's the hope. Biblical hope is more than just wishful thinking for a better tomorrow. It's something that is concrete. It is something that's secure. So when we put on the helmet of salvation, we're daily putting on hope 
Romans 8.23 says this, and we believers also groan. What he's saying is that we go through pain, we go through suffering, we go through trials, we go through circumstances, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Don't miss this part. We were given this hope when we were saved. The helmet of salvation is the hope of Christ in us that helps us to get through anything that you and I may face. In fact, it says, if we already have something, then we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something that we don't have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And he's talking about heaven. Hope is our helmet of salvation when we were saved. And our great enemy, know who our real enemy is, it's not other people, is Satan who wants to distract and destroy and take away any hope. And so that helmet of salvation isn't just for something that's to come. It actually gives us strength and power for today. You see, hope must be anchored in something or someone. Our something is heaven, our someone is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. See, 1 Peter chapter 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth, here's the salvation part, into a living hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. My favorite part of Eric's message last week was when he stood before all of us and said, in this moment, I was reminded that for 31 years, God has been there. And it just brought chills you know, to me as, I, as he began to recount. For 31 years, God had been faithful and faithful and faithful. And as he looked to the past, it gave him strength to face the battle and the trial and the circumstance of today. And I love that about Eric. But you want to know what gives me just as much, if not more, strength? Look to the future. See, what helps me to get through what I'm getting through, because I feel like I'm such a present future person, is not as much looking to the past as is to recognize what's to come, that I can face whatever it is that's gonna be coming my way, not because I have strength, but because of whatever I'm going through does not compare to the salvation that's going to await me and it's gonna await you. That gives me strength. That gives me confidence. That's why 1 Thessalonians describes it this way. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Confident that you and I are on the winning team. We might lose some battles, but you don't lose the war. Confident that no matter what life brings on this side of eternity, that there will be a greater tomorrow. No matter how bad this life gets with our country and with disease and war and famine and challenge and the future and finances, there is hope because of our salvation in Jesus Christ. Let me just end it this way. I don't know about you, but uh, there's, a, there's a series called The Chronicles of Narnia. 
C.S. Lewis wrote them, if you haven't got a chance to read them, probably the most famous one is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but there's multiple books. The last one is actually called The Last Battle. And on the last page of the book, The Last Battle, he writes and gives us a picture of this hope that is coming. And in it, he writes this. There was a railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are, as you used to call it, in the Shadowlands, you're dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. As he spoke, he no longer appeared to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. For us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their lives in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's the picture of what awaits as we put on the helmet of salvation. For when we face the battles of today, we have the strength to endure because we know that there's going to be a better tomorrow. That gives me hope. Hope for tomorrow gives us strength for today in battle as we put on our helmet of salvation. The question is, have you received it? And then for those of you who've already received it, daily, can you be reminded of it? Every day that gives you courage to face whatever circumstances you're facing that will get you through to the next. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the hope that we have because of what you gave us when we put on this helmet of salvation. When you put this on for us after we received you, and if there's someone who is online or who is at Otis or who is at Barker right now, I pray that they would just receive you as Savior and Lord. That maybe for the first time they would put on this helmet of salvation. Father, for the rest of us who have already, may we not be distracted in battle by the things that are taking place around us, but may we be emboldened to know that no matter how bad it gets, there is a better tomorrow. Thank you for this helmet of salvation that we can armor up with every day and in every way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.